Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast for I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. We've done it, my friends. We are on episode 99. Episode 100 is next week. That is a century effectively i mean let's be honest not really but for this purpose it's a century of guests a hundred celebrities telling you it's okay to not be okay a hundred celebrities opening up about their personal lives and the journeys they've been on and look as we get to episode 100 i had to finish off the first lot with someone incredible let me tell you about her her birthday is just three days before mine and therefore, we are both Scorpios. We've got the same amount of water. We've got the same amount of fire. And we've got the same amount of air. We've got <laughs> such a strong passion for dealing with life that you're going to absolutely love her. Now, you'll know her anyway. Look, let's be honest. You'll know her. She was on Love Island in 2021. She was the luxury travel specialist and food blogger. She lasted two weeks looking for love. And she's about to turn 30. And so there's so much to discuss. To me, she's a dear friend already, and I'm so delighted to say on Circadian Scott, episode 99, it's Rachel Finney. Hello, Rachel. Hello, that was such a sweet intro. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, it's true. I mean, it is true. You're a food blogger. You're a travel specialist. You are on the one two weeks. Listen, the most important part was when you're like, she's a dear friend. I'm like, oh, my Johnny. You are. We speak every day. I know, I know. It's more me beg-friending you, I'd say. You're the celebrity, I'm just the Love Island reject. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? That is true. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? I've got five years in the industry. There you go. <laughs> um, listen, I, there's so much I need to talk to you about, but as I want to do with you, as I do with everyone else, it's not about Love Island. You know, Love Island you did for two weeks. Love Island is an experience you did when you're 29 years old, just before you turned 30. But we've got 29 years to get through. And so I want to take you back to the beginning of life of Rachel Finney. You grew up in North London in an Mm -hmm. area predominantly very Greek and very Jewish. So how did it work for the Finney family? Do you know what? It was actually somewhat a good thing at the time because Boston's where we lived. At the time, it was deemed very prestige. So being one of the few black families in the area, everyone knew who we were. We'd walk into the supermarket, we'd walk into the cafe, we'd walk into the bank and everyone would know our names and they'd be nice, they'd be welcoming. Um, I never felt like an outcast in my community, even to this day. The only thing that I thought, oh, if I think there was a time in my life where I kind of felt like I was different was in secondary school. And obviously when everyone's hitting puberty and they're finding people attractive, I didn't have the nice long brown hair. I wasn't allowed to get my nose pierced like everyone else. I wasn't going to Cyprus for holiday every single summer like everyone else around me. Um, So it was like more so like unnecessary materialistic petty things that made me feel outcasted. But I definitely appreciate growing up where I did because I feel like I would be a completely different person and maybe not so much of a good person had I been brought up somewhere else. So I'm very proud of where I am, where I've come from and where I still remain to this day. And you've got parents who instilled such strong ideas and values for you. You know, you're not like a lot of the Love Island people that I come into contact with. 
you are very deep rooted. You seem to have, you seem to be very, very, very grounded and know exactly what you want and where you are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and for example, do you, do you think I could tell my parents, regardless of me being 29, 30, whatever, do you think I could tell them face to face I was going on Love Island? Of course not. I could never tell them. I actually lied to them. I said that I was, because I was, I lost my job. And then I said, I've got a job with ITV. I'm going to go and I'm going to be working reality TV shows, scouting locations for Ireland once they leave, because that seems the most realistic in line with my job and they didn't know until obviously they see me walking in like a crocodile on the tv screen a month later did that scare you did that scare you because it, it's one thing you do and get but then it's the reality of now your parents need to know and no matter whatever happens in life it's your parents opinion that matters the most no definitely i completely agree um so the truth is i think Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you this. One thing I felt bad about was lying to them because I've never lied to my parents. We, there's no need to. It was just the three of us. I'm an only child. We've got a close relationship. So I felt bad for that. Secondly, when I was in the show, I know the kind of person I am. Cameras there, cameras not. I was true to myself. I didn't feel like I couldn't do anything or act a certain way because my parents are watching because I can only be who I am. It's more effort to be someone I'm not. And finally, when I came back home and obviously they both didn't know my parents and I walked in the house, I remember I was not terrified, but I was nervous somewhat for my chaperone to leave and us part of ways and we actually walk in the house. But I, I sat them both down and I said, listen, I said, I've done everything right in life. I went to school, went to college, went to uni, even went to law school. I've got this career spanning over a decade. I've done well, worked for amazing companies. and I just wanted to do something good and fun for myself before I hit my next decade of life. Yes, I've just, I was in a long-term relationship before going on the show. That ended in a bad way. Obviously, lockdown affected all of us in different ways. I thought, you know what, why not? If I don't find the love of my life on this show, which weirdly enough, I was actually considering that would happen on there, I'm going to have an incredible opportunity that not many people on this earth can say I did. And that's why they were like, do you know what? We get you. You, you did well. Now let's hit the ground running. There's so much in there I want to depict. Let's start with you being an only child. What type of child were you then? Every time to this day when I tell someone I was an only child, they were like, oh, yeah, but you got everything you want. And no, like, my parents struggled growing up. Like, I couldn't just get anything like every other child did. I mean, going on a holiday every single year was something I only experienced in my adult life. I was told education is how you get success my parents studied and worked like my entire childhood but they still never made me want for nothing um i had what i needed i always had what i needed in life and that was love attention food and a roof over my head and i was very blessed with the fact that my childhood best friends lived next door to me these are my friendships spanning over 25 years i have to this day i was never lonely and what i loved most about being an only child is that I appreciate people. I, I'm so good at making friends. I love being around people, but at the same time, I love knowing at the end of it all, I can come back to myself and be my own. So being an only child for me was great. I, I, I was very lucky to have the experience I have. I'm very, very lucky. Um, emotionally, physically, in all aspects, I was, it, it's shaped me to be who I am now. I'm not selfish, but I'm very generous. I can be a ultimate team player but I can be very independent so I'm very proud proud of the circumstance I was put in either that I was just so perfect my parents never wanted another kid you never know <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's I the mean, thing isn't possible. it you didn't overcompensate for anything and I like the idea that you were independent as well because it's something that you had instilled in you so much earlier than for example for myself I've got two younger sisters and so I moved out of my home into a one-bed flat alone and therefore age 27 is that first time I've really got to be independent and really enjoy my own company whereas you know what it's like to have your own company and you also know not to have your own company yeah literally from childhood like I, I, I promise you there was no game I couldn't play by myself I could play cards myself I could play basketball by myself football you really learn to adapt I honestly think it was one of the biggest blessings being an only child I truly do well, look, everything happens for a reason. There's a reason, obviously, your parents chose not to have another child or couldn't have another child. And there's a reason why you are who you are today, because it was the journey that you're put on. And obviously, I've, I've seen on your Instagram stories that you are a member of the Church of England and you've got a bit of religious backing to you. 
Do you see yeah. that as you've been guided through life then that there was a purpose for this for you? So I'll be completely honest. I mean, childhood, we grew up in the church. We were, there were two churches we were members of. We were members of one in Cockfosters and the members of another in Soho. And honestly, I think till about the age of 16, we would go to church every single Sunday. But obviously, like I mentioned, like things weren't easy for us growing up. So my parents had to work their full time jobs and then jobs on the weekend. And then church kind of fizzled out and me becoming a teenager. Sadly, I was like, who wants to go to church on a Sunday? I can stay over my friends on a Saturday night. I can go out, do this. So I'd say, honestly, and this sickens me to say it, until about a year ago, faith wasn't something I really gave much interest in. But last year, I was, I, I was really, really sick really really sick and I'm convinced it was COVID and it was the first time in a very long time that I prayed and I prayed so hard I prayed I can't even tell you the even speaking about it gets very emotional for me I was convinced I was again far-fetched but it was the case I, I thought I was going to die I didn't think I was going to wake up in the morning so that night I prayed and I went again me 29 28 year old Rachel I went and slept in the same bed as my mum prayed with her and in my head before I dozed off I thought my goodness like god forgive me if my mum wakes up traumatized next to me in the morning and I'm lifeless the next morning I woke up and I was so confused I was like why the hell am I here what's going on and it's from then I put my faith before everything I pray every single night even when I was in the villa I just go silent close my eyes whatever and that is honestly why probably all the amazing things that have happened to me the past year have happened because I've committed just a small part of my life to making sure I'm doing that every single day and it's you know it's even funny I would do it at midnight on the dot I'd set an alarm to pray at midnight every night because it was the first thing I'd do in each day who are you praying to God so you're, you're praying to a God so you believe in a God and you're praying to a God rather than a belief of uh, spirituality or the law of attraction you're no, specifically no, no, no. praying to De a God no definitely God I mean I was christened when I was younger uh, baptized and then I was confirmed when I was in my early teens I am a member of the Church of England I wouldn't say I'm the best member because like I said I don't go to church every week I have sinned in my life but my my relationship with God now is I make sure I commit a small part of my day to him give him thanks for what I have pray for what I don't have but be grateful for what I do have I love this. I love this. And it's interesting you do midnight. I would always do it at like 11, 11 and make a wish. You know, that, that whole star sign-esque feeling of it's 11, 11, you've got to do something in that moment. And you've chosen midnight. So you obviously see it as what you want the following day rather than what you've had today. It's an interesting line that you choose there. Yeah. And I feel like I'm starting my day the best way. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously officially the beginning of the day is zero, zero, zero. So I think, okay, if I make prayer, the first thing I do in the day, maybe God will appreciate more and he'll shine more blessings on me and guide and protect me. And what about the sins? You said that you committed sins in the past. What do you count as a sin though? Well, if we're going by biblical terms, I mean, I haven't always been the nicest to my parents, you argue. Um, sex before marriage that's another one and coveting their neighbor's ox i'm human of course i'm gonna get jealous um and of course i haven't probably hurt people's feelings in secondary school i was actually bullied and somewhat became a bully myself so that's one thing i'll never forgive myself about but don't get me wrong i feel like i've redeemed myself i i think purely with my heart i try and do as much good as i can to make up for the bad i've done but i'm very very honest to the fact that maybe there are things I've done in my life that could have really upset other people and I want to truly repent of those things. Have you had the closure? Have you spoken to that person that you bullied since? No, because I see it in two ways. Um, obviously, like I said, I was bullied and would I want to speak to that person ever again? No, never in a million years. Would I ever really? forgive them? So hold yeah. on, you would never want an explanation as to why you were bullied? No because I've moved on but it still it still hurts to an extent so I, I, I just don't care I don't want to give that person any time of day so I maybe I think the other person would see it that way and because I think everyone's moved on in their life from that what if they've actually forgot it happened because I wasn't like a serious funny or anything I just said a few mean things tease a few mean people but I'm sure it upset them so they've probably forgotten about it or they've moved on so much of it that there's no point bringing it back up for these people do you see what I mean it's true, but it's, it's a really weird thing, isn't it? Because you don't want to open that can of worms because you unleash that can of worms and everything comes spinning out, things that you've blocked away. And you'll have certain memories, but if you start delving even deeper, 
it, it's too raw to want to deal with. You know, we're all trying yeah. post lockdown, post you effectively being in lockdown again during Love Island. You've you've yeah. things away and you're living a happy life. To go and take yourself back to that mindset is really hard. I tried to do it actually during lockdown. And I was like, well, I'm going to do some meditation. I'm going to write letters to myself. I'm going to do all these little tools to be a better person and delve a bit into my past. And the paranoia was horrific, absolutely horrific. And I spoke to a couple of people and they were like, it's literally not as bad as you thought it was. It wasn't even an issue. And you're like, I've been building this up in my head for so long. There you go. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I, I truly think that's what would happen. But at the same time, I feel so guilty for it. I wouldn't even want to put myself and be reminded that, remind that person because I'm a completely different person now. I wouldn't want to remind them of the time I was that awful person. So I would just rather avoid it. But I don't know. This is, again, extreme far-fetched. If anyone was listening and I ever hurt them, I'd, you know it's it's like the easy route out but I'd rather they reached out to me so I could then apologize I wouldn't want to be the one to bring up all those bad experiences again it's easier for someone to confront you than you to confront someone else because anything you do to dissect that message if you ever sent a message to someone that you, you want to apologize for you overthink it you overthink what they say you overthink what you say all you need is someone to come forward and say look this is what happened please can you just apologize for us so we can move on in my heart and yes head. Yes, exactly. So that was your school years. That was your school years. And it wasn't all bad, but you had, no, to, you had amazing moments as well. Let's move on to your 20s because we're gearing up to the idea that you're about to turn 30. So yes. what were your early 20s like? And then we'll get to your late 20s. Because there's so many parts of that 20s decade that create and make you and define you effectively. You've got your early years if you went to university. That is mm -hmm. you being post-university as a young professional, as they call it in the industry. But basically, you're still living the student life. You don't really have responsibility. You've kind of regressed into being away from university. Then you come back and you're like a child again, as if you were 18 pre-uni. And then you start going into industry and you start being around colleagues who are a lot older than you. And then you start maturing. So what age was it that you think you matured, first of all? So I actually matured quite early. I did things backwards and I'll explain what that is. So after college, I didn't want to go to university. It was of no interest to me. I wasn't ready. And I, I never liked doing what everyone else does. So I actually started working. And that's when I started out in hospitality. I got this amazing job um, at a hotel sales and marketing, marketing company. My boss at the time is still a dear friend to this day. Every job I've had, he's been part of the process and getting me there. And so I started that job when I was 18. And I left uh, for a bit when I was at 21 because I went to uni at 21. So I'd say borderline 20, so 18 to 21, I was the only one of my friends earning. And because of my job, I was traveling to all these amazing places, eating in the finest restaurants, whereas my friends were students having no time, lack of sleep, struggling, couldn't afford anything I had at the time. So I was somewhat admired amongst my friendship group. Again, my friends are studying, doing whatever I'm working, and I'm surrounded by people 40 plus. So my sense of humour changed in the sense that I didn't find childish shit funny. I wouldn't want to go out to a nightclub all the time. I did that again, 18 to 21. I did all the nightclub stuff, but 21, then I just wanted to go for dinner, go to bars and just chill out a bit. I started taking more interest in reading books and politics. And even the way I dressed, I, I did not wear a crop top in my early 20s. And the thought of that like freaked me out. I would wear like midi dresses and blazers and driving shoes. Um, so yeah, I was very mature before my time. And I think it kind of links to how I'm kind of a, an old soul now. So yeah, my early 20s were, I'd say the best term to define it is bougie. A young girl, fantastic career, making a lot of money whilst her friends are studying and had zero time to live their best lives. And that's what I was doing in my early 20s. My mid-20s, I finished university, went to law school, and then I had this fantastic job again, sales and marketing, and I got into my first long-term relationship. Again, great life, amazing holidays, amazing dinners, great experiences. Obviously, having someone you think, oh my God, who knows? I might have my childhood life dream of getting married at 13, having kids and all that stuff. But obviously, that relationship ended. I Don't get me wrong, still had my fantastic career, but Another reason why I was so motivated to do Love Island is that in your mid-20s, that's when you're developing your romantic relationships for life. And knowing that that failed, 
I gave my best years to someone who I'm no longer with and the people that were in relationships at this time, they have mortgages together, if not they're married, if not they have kids. That I'd say is my biggest regret, giving the best years of myself to the wrong person. So now in my late 20s, especially borderline 30, I thought, you know what? I've done everything right in my life. I've got my career in the bag. I'm a good person. I've got amazing people around me. Let me go out with a bang. Let me do the most ridiculous thing I think anyone could possibly do. Let me go in, let me smash it, let me ace it. And don't get me wrong, my time didn't go the way it did, but I am so proud and I had the best time in the villa and I would do it all over again because I really think this year, what's happened and still what's going to come with my newfound career is going to make 30 even more fabulous than I could have ever imagined. But did you take away some amazing memories and a le- life lessons for yourself being in that long-term relationship? Because it would have still instilled in you for the person that you're going to spend the rest of the, your life with, who I do want to be with and the type of person I don't want to be with. Yes, yeah, so I definitely know one thing. Don't get me wrong, my, my ex is a very good guy. Three things I took away from that relationship. One is age really is nothing but a number. He was much older than me and I felt like I was his mother the entire time. And that's not fun. It's really not fun. The second thing was I should never settle. I think, I know it's hard, but if someone doesn't take every single one of your boxes, do not settle because if they're not going to change for you, why should you ever change for them? And the third and final thing is trust is so, so, so important. If you don't have that trust and if you're not working towards a goal together, if you're not ambitious together, there's no point. From the get-go, you just end it there. Don't even see if time, over time, things will change and things will get better because it won't. Just always put yourself first. Those are the three lessons I learned. It's so important. It's so important. And so you then get to 28 years old and you're thinking, right, what do I do next? What's my big thing going to be before I turn 30? And Love Island was where you thought you wanted to go you applied to go on love island through the website so first of all what happened before you applied why was it love island as the show that you wanted to go on so i'll tell you a funny backstory about my whole love island journey from the very beginning i used to work in an office it was predominantly girls and every single year every single summer you knew what was coming it was the conversation about love island and i absolutely hated it i thought oh my god it's back why we, I, 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 to my friends, I'd say to them, how are you wasting your brain cells and your energy and your time by watching such a stupid show? Like, what is wrong with you? Fast forward to today, of course, the girls I would complain about loving the show so much are the girls that handled my social media. So that's like a funny little backstory. But in terms of why I love Island, I'm the biggest fan of that show. As someone that started off being like, what on earth is this? I'm the biggest. I can quote you any series, any moment word for word so applying for it again I explained it was the lockdown it was the broken up relationship and I thought why not do something amazing for you in my 20s the second I did the application so I actually applied for the 2020 series that was um cancelled the second I did the application I thought you know what nothing's going to happen when I got that first call back I thought oh my god but in my head I thought Rachel this isn't it there's still plenty of stages to pass. Obviously, I bear in mind that my demographic, there's going to be so many other amazing people to pick from in such a small part. I need to calm myself down. And the day I had one of my first executive meetings, I remember the date exactly. It was the 4th of May, 2020. And it was announced that the show was cancelled due to COVID. And in my head, I thought, okay, that's it. There's my opportunity gone. They're never going to have anyone over the age of 20 on that show. Let me forget it. This year, January, I see in the press that Love Island recruiting is starting, auditions are back, da 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 da. So I messaged the number I had, the former contact I had at ITV, and I said, Hi, I can see the auditions have started again, and I never got to have my first exec meeting. Would I still be considered? And then they said, Yeah, Rachel, of course you'll still be considered. We were just talking about you, da 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 da. So every month up till the day I left, which was in June, I passed another stage of the audition process. I don't think people realise there's so many stages you have to pass. It's not just about being an interesting person or having a good sense of character. You've got to pass medical checks. You've got to pass mental health checks. They do a background check and you check your social media. They get to know who you are. So they know, one, if this is a good thing for you, two, if it's a good thing for them, and if it's going to make a change to your life worthwhile of the experience. So I find out, found out I was going into the show in May, but I didn't know if I was going to be an original or a bombshell. 
So I did all the promo pictures. I did the our video introductions as well. I filmed all of that stuff. And I think two weeks before I flew out, I found out I was going to be a bombshell. And do you know what? I am so happy I was a bombshell for many reasons. One, you come in with an impact. So I always knew when I entered, I wanted to have an impactful entrance. That I was so ready for that. I was ready for the outfit, the hair flick, all of it. And secondly, they'd never had a black bombshell walk straight into the villa. You only ever have the black girl or guy in the lineup, but you never have the black girl that just walks in unless it's through Castle Moor. So I thought, do you know what? What a brilliant title to have. I know to some it would be completely meaningless, but that's something that's never... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. going to be taken away from me and all these signs of incredible things are exactly why I did it that is why I did Love Island and what role did you want to play as you say you're a massive Love Island fan we know there are people like Anton who are like a mediator a couple of years ago we knew there are people like Danny Dyer whose role was I'm the Danny Dyer senior's daughter there are people like Olivia Atwood who was going to be a bit more outspoken you had Chris and Kevin with their bromance who were you trying to not model yourself on but what value did you see you're adding to the villa away from just yourself looking for love? So I definitely wasn't trying to fit a character because I, I think, don't get me wrong, people have shown they've gone with game plans and knew what they were going to do. But I thought I could only be myself and I don't like anything fake in the sense of personality and behaviour. If I was going to try and fit a cookie cutter mould or fit in a certain way, one, I wouldn't want to keep that act up. Two, I couldn't keep that act up. And three, it's just pointless. It's working against myself. and because there's so many different characters in there. I wouldn't know how I'd fit until I walked in. So the whole time I was in there, I was myself. I, wouldn't, I, I don't even know what role I would say I played or what I was in the billet in contrast to everyone else. Um, I'd say based on public perception and what was shown on the show, maybe my role and image changed in my time in the villa. Obviously, the first two episodes I was in as this confident black bombshell that could do whatever she wants. and somewhat intimidating somewhat powerful but overall intriguing people wanted to know more middle of my time in the villa I became the girl that was either crying all the time or seemed to be in love with someone that she really really wasn't and I became this vulnerable character so I was the one that was getting all the pity then towards my end of the journey in the villa what the public didn't see is that I I just couldn't care less I thought you know what I'm just going to enjoy my time that I'm here I'm not going to go after a friendship. I'm not going to go after a guy because clearly none of that's going to happen. I'm just going to enjoy myself. Then Teddy came in and I thought, you know what? Why not lay on, lay on thick? I want to stay in here. I'm going to do what I've got to do to stay in there. 
outside world on the show, it showed that again, I was still weeping. I was still in sorrow. I was still emotional. This guy comes in and I was desperate towards him. Not the case, not the case at all. So yeah, my one thing that I do find irritating is like I said, my public perception has was was shown a certain way throughout my time in the villa from independent to vulnerable to desperate whereas other people like brad for example when i was in my vulnerable stage brad was public enemy number one people were saying bad things about him for what he did to me how he treated me not that he deserved it i'm not saying that at all but then the second lucinda walks in and they have this love story and then she stays in the villa and then he goes out he's the nation's sweetheart, poor Brad, oh my God, like how could anyone do this to him? He had a chance to have his story line changed. I didn't. So that's one thing I'm annoyed about. But the reason why I don't have anything more than maybe irritation towards it is because I know as myself the entire time I was in there. And that's the thing. If you look at Asia, you're 29 years old, Liam's 21, Aaron's 24. There's a big age gap, and especially as we said before, when it comes to maturity, boys mature a lot later in life than girls do. You matured quite early on in life. And therefore, yeah. when you're hanging around with these guys who are a lot younger, they're on a TV show. It's exciting, you know, out of uni. This is cool. They're going to treat it very different to the way you treat it. And therefore, the storylines will be changed. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd say to the younger guys, it was more so a fun experience like let me not take it too seriously whereas with me I was like I'm here to have fun but I, I am a relationship girl if I can find someone I am going to make that effort to find someone so I think that's the biggest mis misperception of me when I was crying it was never because I was obsessed with a 20 something year old it was because I just didn't want my opportunity to end and I knew that I had no no support system in there that's purely what it was well, it's, it's very interesting you say that. And also, you didn't prevail into any social pressure in the group. I feel like with Love Island, you kind of go in and you're all in this bubble and therefore age doesn't actually matter. You're all just in it together because you're all doing the same experience now. It may seem like I took age into account, but I honestly didn't because you, those are the cards you're dealt with. That If you're surrounded by 21-year-olds, regardless of you being 29, you've, you've got to couple up with someone if you want to stay there, if you want to have that opportunity. And someone like Liam, for example, um, who is absolutely amazing, the nicest guy. When I was in there, our beds were next to each other because he was coupled up with Faye at the time. He doesn't even look his age. And believe it or not, he doesn't act his age at all. He's very mature despite what everyone's seeing. So that's why it's easy to put age aside. And like I said of my ex-boyfriend, who is many, many years older than me, <laughs> he had no clue. So that's why age really isn't a factor. I think as long as you both connect and as long as you both want the same thing, age shouldn't matter. And if it does, you are the only two people it should matter to. 100%, 100%. And, uh, you know, and it's interesting because you know, alcohol, for example, is always a big topic on Love Island that you get given two drinks a night and you know, the amount of alcohol one would have it, whether you're at your early stage of 20s to your late stages. How did you feel keeping up with them, though? Because apart from the alcohol, did you find that sometimes you were a bit like, right, I want to go to bed. It's like, obviously, I don't know the time, but effectively, it's 11 o'clock now. No, because again, yeah, I was the oldest. Yeah, I'm 29, which let's be realistic. 29 is not old in any aspect of life. Maybe Love Island, but nowhere else. We, I, of course I kept up with them. Again, age really makes no difference to the person you are in there because don't forget when Marcel, Chris, is it, oh God, what's his surname? When Marcel Somerville went in there, he was 31. He was 31 when he won on Love Island. So at, at the most, there could have been a 10 year age gap between him and the youngest person in there. It's all about personality. You don't go on Love Island because you're looking for someone the same age as you. You're looking for someone with a genuine connection. So whether you're black, white, 29, 49, 59, blue or green, you're going purely based off on personality. And personality-wise, we all connected. That's why there was no drama while I was in there, because at the time we all got along like a house on fire. So no, my age never felt made me feel like an outcast or never, or the difference in ages of other islanders did not have an effect on how we all treated each other, not at all. So, I mean, cheeky plug for security and secure. If you, were, if you like Marcel Somerville, he's done two episodes out of 100. Uh, you, you can hear him in past episodes talking about diabetes and talking about becoming a parent and about his time on Love Island as well. Um, and this is the thing, like you said, age, it doesn't really matter for you. And therefore, I suppose you didn't need the energy drinks then to keep up. They won't. Oh, uh, no, I hate energy drinks. 
hate energy drink. So there was no one else on the Red Bull then to keep up. Because I could just imagine, I'd be like, right, I want to go to bed now. I'm tired. And yet you've got a game to do or you're doing a coupling up. That's done into the early hours of the morning. But what people don't realise is you get the best night's sleep in that place. We were never like extremely tired. And if we were extreme, I don't think there was anyone at any point in there that was extremely knackered. I think the only kind of sense of knackered you got in there is if you were emotionally tired you'd either be emotionally tired from being extremely happy and on cloud nine or just worn out from sad because something bad happened we had the best like we had what people don't realize we have a bedtime we get sent to bed we get told stop speaking take your microphones off stop speaking go to bed island just like we had a bedtime and we had fabulous sleep so no never knackered in that sense at all no never was that because, uh, you know, we know there's a smoking area. Obviously, they used to have a smoking pit. And obviously, they got rid of that because of, you know, TV world and it wasn't good. But because Islanders can go off and have a cigarette, you've got that time to calm down then, that away from the cameras, away from everything. Well, while I was in there, no one smoked. So, and the smoking area, it wasn't even an area. It was literally, you would just go and stand by the front door out away from the cameras and you could only go by yourself. So if someone did go to smoke, they wouldn't be able to have a conversation. They'd just be able to clear their head. But um, no, no one smoked at the time I was in the villa at all. No. But I will say the smoking area in past series was where all the drama happened. So I don't know, maybe it could be a mix of, maybe they didn't want as much intense arguing this series or maybe that, I don't know, maybe... Do you know, do you know, it's not that I think maybe the producers wanted us to have genuine conversations more. They didn't want us to be heightened. They wanted the conversation to flow naturally. I don't know. This is just an estimate I make and I could be completely wrong. But um, I kind of like the fact that the smoking area is gone for, for many reasons. It doesn't promote the use of smoking because it's a very influential show. And it motivates people to correct any problems they have in a, in a mature way. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think that's it. And... You know, I remember season three, the Amber and Chem series, that smoking arrow was used all the time. And you're Drama. right, that's where everything happened. Everything happened. And I thought, the fact you've got no smokers in there is that you've not got people vaping and you haven't got people on edge because they need their next craving, they need their next cigarette. Mm, exactly, exactly. There you go. But uh, yeah. what you did have was you had therapy. And obviously this is the year where therapy was so important you had contracts before you went in to really tell you about mental health obviously what happened in the past there was a lot of focus this year on the welfare of you and yes i think that's an amazing thing because when else would you ever get an opportunity to speak to a therapist that much and not have to pay for it exactly exactly and in a way it's it just it, i'm just speaking on my series and the experience i've had ITV and the production are so, so, so generous in all aspects, aspects that you could never imagine. But one thing they put the pressure on and it's in the best way possible is your welfare. They really, really, really care about you. Again, right now, if I wanted to speak to anyone, there's so many numbers I could text, not just welfare, anyone at ITV, anyone in casting, anyone in producing, absolutely anyone. They truly make you feel like you're, you're part of their family. So if you're I don't know, you always have access to welfare, but say you don't want to have a serious conversation and you want to ask like a friend, you could, me personally, and I think a lot of our Islanders as well, we could just text any single one of them and they'd listen with open ears. This is it, and this is why it's so important. And what were those questions you were being asked on a day-to-day -day basis? Because if you had no drama, you still need to be talking through things with someone because it's all new. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. I think the conversation would be a bit more deep if you had something going on. But the basic questions were, how are you feeling? How are you sleeping? Are you eating enough? Is there anything you're worried about? Are you still okay in taking part with the show? Um, and that's it. I know they may seem like a few questions, but they really cover a lot in those few questions. They really, really do. And, but the conversations at the, at the least would last 15 minutes. And everyone would have their turn. No one would ever be able to miss out on it because you're too every busy. You have to go sing, for the yeah, every, every single person had to speak with the therapist and welfare team. If it wasn't every, every day, it was every other day. Every single person. And it's so important because, and this is the thing, it's become, you know, you look at the newspapers and you see lines like, you, you all had a beach on a Saturday or 
you know, dinners or chickens and fish and, you know, you had your mics off. But actually, the most important thing is that you had someone to speak to, a therapist to speak to, and not just during the show, but after the show as well, when you came out of the villa. Yeah, I mean, that's what, it, it's shocking. I, again, I can only speak for my series, but the welfare and the care we have is amazing. I mean, and like you said, it's, it's all covered by TV for a very long time after you leave the show. Very, very, very long time. And the good thing is, for me, the therapist I've chosen to speak to is the one I was dealing with when I was in cast holding and when I was in the villa. So this, this lady that I'm dealing with, she actually knows me now. And it's great that I have her before my journey, during my journey and after. So it, oh, again, I, it's just so bizarre. I can't fault anything they've done in the welfare aspect Amazing. at all. I'm, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity because like I said, I always thought therapy was for people that had some kind of trauma or had gone through something. And you realise that it's just so good to speak to someone that can analyse your own feelings and just make you see what's right and wrong in the way you're behaving. So I'm truly appreciative of that. Well, as we continue, you're about to turn 30. So you've left the villa. You've now got this little bit of an influencer lifestyle. You're basically redesigning yourself for your 30. So what are you, I don't want to say what's your five-year goal, but what are you hoping to get from this? So I think I have to be completely honest, though I will honestly say, and I really do mean this, I did go in the villa for the experience and the potential finding romance, but it's a wonderful career move for anyone I think the generation we both grew up in joining is that you go to school you work hard you study you get an amazing career you work hard and you get the best job but the truth of the situation is now I believe me I can vouch for this you do all those things you work hard in your career you get your education but financially you're still at a loss and the people in this generation I, I don't and I, I personally I don't think it's a sad thing the, their, the top careers and the top earning, earning jobs right now are influencing YouTube and TikTok and gaming, streaming. And so I, I, again, millennials, we grew up in a time where we had the old school, but we've got the new school. So I know how to adapt to both worlds. Luckily, I've got a fantastic CV and career I can fall back on should this influencing career not take off. But I am absolutely loving the new dynamic of, again, thanks to the pandemic, being able to work from home as an influencer, being able to create content, having all these amazing opportunities. It's, it's, I can't even put into words how awe I am of this actually being a career for one and that I'm the one doing it because I don't see how I could ever, ever get bored and ever not enjoy it because I'm getting paid to be myself. And that's the thing I'm best at doing is being myself. And going back to the whole generational thing, I'll give you another example. So growing up, obviously, we had things like AOL, um, MSN, and some other stuff. I think it was B-Bone. And I remember my parents hated me going on it, absolutely hated it. But this is where I learned to type really, really fast. And now kids, I say kids, people applying for jobs now, requirements for some companies mean that you need to have a certain typing speed. And what the older generation don't know is that now we don't have to go and pay £500 for a course to learn to do these things. We learned this being ourselves growing up. We learned this as we grew up alongside technology and social media. So that is what I want to continue doing in my career moving forward, having the best of the old school, but bringing it in with the new school to make something hopefully great that will give me a fantastic life for myself, the people I love, and one I can enjoy doing all the while. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's it. And that is why it's so good being a 90s baby, because you have got that appreciation that you don't need to be on your phone the whole time. And if you're on it, you're on it effectively for purpose. Obviously, we all sit there and swipe on TikTok or Tinder or Instagram. But at the same time, we also are very good at going, right, this is our 10 minutes we're giving ourselves. And then the 10 exactly. minutes is over and then you move on. Exactly. Like even, even TikTok, for example. I mean, obviously, that's something I've got to utilise now with my career. I always said, you will never get me on TikTok. Like, what's a 30... A, a, yeah, we can say, what's a 30-year-old woman doing on TikTok? But it's part of my career now. And... It's funny, again, being the millennial, it's not really a millennial thing, is it? I think our, our age, they're more into things like Instagram showing holidays and lifestyle and the occasional YouTube, whereas TikTok is a more Gen Z thing. So again, I think 
again, blessing to be born when we were because we can adapt to both sides and that's exactly what I'm doing. So then you've got your numbers and it's all about the Instagram following because the more following you've got, the bigger deals you've got. And obviously some people have big numbers before they go in the villa, some more, you know, the longer you stay in, your numbers will probably stay where they are and then really go big once you leave the villa. So how are you finding it? Because you're one of the first to leave the villa and you're on about 80,000 now. So how are you finding that growing process? So I, I was never an influencer. Again, I had a somewhat decent life. I had amazing friends, long-term relationship, great career. My Instagram only had 130-something followers and it was private. So when I came out, I, bearing in mind, I was only on air for a week and a half. I only had 20,000 followers. And I remember reading some comments like, imagine going on Love Island and only coming out with 20,000 followers, da, 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 da. But now I've been out, what, three weeks? And I've gone to 80. I, the follower thing for me, in some, as, as myself, as Rachel Finney, followers don't mean anything because I am who I am regardless of who's watching. But in terms of Rachel Finney from Love Island, the upcoming influencer, yes, the followers is how, how my career is going to span it's who's paying attention to me how much my my rate is fixed at now that's my business so I don't let the followers bother me as much of course there's so many people that have come in and out the villa in the time who have a lot more following than me or went in with a larger following than me but I think just me being me I don't let that bother bother me I really really don't and um, the only thing that I would appreciate obviously it's of course being verified because regardless of me having five followers of, of five thousand followers or five million followers it shows that okay I am this person like this is the respect I have for doing what I'm doing now yeah the followers I don't want it to sound bad but it is kind of meaningless to me and I think that's a good thing because I'll never get an ego from it I'll never change who I am for it but I am aware that it does shape my career and my earnings moving forward okay well that's the influence of life let's just talk about you becoming 30 so what message would you give your younger self now let's go back to when you were 16 years old and you're just looking to see would you go to university what type of person you're going to be what would you tell yourself now don't overthink anything times are always changing what may be on trend now or popular or tradition at that time is not going to be the same in even listen history is immediate history was two seconds ago history is two years ago so just keep doing what's right for you and everything will all work out in the end and the good thing is again i thank so god for the generation we're in because say when we were growing up in the 90s if you weren't married with kids and a mortgage and a dog and a white picket fence by 30 you'd failed at life now i think we're just so accepting of people for who they are there's been a lot of changes in the time and the generation we're in now you don't have to be married at 30. You don't have to have kids at 30. You can still be living with your parents if you want it. There's no, we don't restrict human beings for being who they want to be at a certain age. We don't. And I'm so grateful for that because it allows, it allows people to find their true selves. You're not under pressure to be a certain way or behave a certain way because you've got time. And that I'm so grateful for. So advice to my younger self is do what feels right always. I love it. I love it. And final question for you, Rachel Finney. Big 30, big 30. What are you doing for it in October? Okay, I'm thinking three different parties for three different decades of life. And I know that sounds so bougie, but I'd like to do something quite elegant, like a nice private dining room, friends and family, nice DJ. That would be like the fun one. Then I'd like to do something for myself. Just want to check into a hotel for a weekend, celebrate my birthday on my own. And the third, I want to do something like so, 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 so crazy. Like whether it's a private nightclub or we go on a boat down the town, I want to do something extreme, like a nice, I mean, come on again, there's no age, a limit on how to behave at a certain age anymore. Why not have a little bit of a, of a piss up or a drink up? Why not like do shots of tequila at three in the morning? Like have a bit of a fun time. And of course you'll be there. So whatever well, exactly. you're, having doing, three you're going to be part of it. Well, if, you're having three par if you're having three parties, I want to be going to one of them at least. There you go, Johnny. What did we, how did we start this conversation? Of true friend, of course you'll be there. You can even give me a review after. We can film the morning after for your podcast hungover and see and give a review of it all. 
I mean, I'm choosing the spa. I know you want to go alone, but I'm going to the spa with you. No shots at 3am for me. A hot chocolate at 10pm. Oh, now that oh, sounds good. Oh, you granddad. And to think I'm older than you. Gosh, Johnny. Come on, you can I do better know. than that. Rachel Finney, that oh, she's amazing, isn't she? Amazing. I loved her on Love Island, and I'm so glad I've got this friendship with her now because Yay. she's got such a special soul to her, and she really wants the best for everyone, and just is so interested to talk to. I could talk to her for all hours of the day. You've been listening to Securians Give Me Johnny. So if you've liked what you heard and you love Rachel, please do go onto Apple iTunes, go all the way down on the podcast, click five stars, and leave a review. It's really important as we reach episode 100 that you review it, that you share it with your friends. Go on Instagram, share it with your friends, at Johnny Seifer, at Skidinski Podcast, at Rachel Finney. Just get people listening to the podcast. Get people to know that you've listened to it and what you've learned from it. Because there are so many life lessons, especially what Rachel spoke about, whether it's about turning 30 or a big age, whether it's about relationships, whether it's looking back at your childhood, whether it's asking for forgiveness. All those things are so vital to what the conversations that we have in our own minds, let alone with other people. So please do share and tell someone you've listened to the show. And that's it. 99 episodes done. Episode 100 is next week. I will be joined for my 100th special with an EastEnders legend. Yes, I'm the biggest EastEnders fan. And so there's only one person I wanted to talk to for episode 100. It's Sid Owen, who plays Ricky Butcher. He's been in and out of the show since 1988. He's celebrating three decades of his career on Security and Secure, and I can't wait to speak to him. And I can't wait for you to hear it, because then you'd have listened to 100 episodes. And if you haven't listened to all 100 episodes, go back into the library. There's plenty of Love Island episodes there. So if you love Love Island and you've listened just because it's Rachel, so many people from Love Island have been on the podcast over the past 100 episodes. So go and check them out, as well as all the other people. And thank you. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with episode 100. I've been Johnny Seifert. Thank you and goodbye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 